It's a privilege to be before you on this Wednesday night. I feel like the Lord has a word for us in the house tonight. Um, I believe that, um, and we've known for some time now that we're in a very pivotal place, not just in our country, but in the church, in the American church. And I know we've talked about that over the recent months, and God has been doing great things in the house and I want Him to continue to do great things, don't you? Can you say amen? If you want Him to continue to do great things. If you would turn your Bibles with me to Luke chapter 9. The Gospel of Luke chapter 9. For some, maybe a familiar portion of scriptures. Uh, for others, maybe not. But I believe God has something to say to us in this portion of scripture. We're going to begin in verse number 28. Verse number 28. If you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say oh no. I have one oh no. Okay. Luke chapter 9, verse 28. And it came to pass about an eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and John and James and he went up into a mountain to pray. And he prayed and the fashion of his countenance was altered. And his raiment was white and glistering. And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, or Elijah, who appeared in glory. Someone say glory. And spake of his decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awake, they saw his glory. Someone say glory. And the two men that stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him. Talking about the two men, Moses and Elijah. Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles, one for thee and one, uh, and one for Moses and one for Elias. Uh, not knowing what he said, and while he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them. And they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved son, hear him. And when the voice was passed, Jesus was found alone. Someone say amen. And they kept it close and told no man in those days any of those, any of those things which they had seen. Let us pray tonight. God, we come before you. We thank you for your word and its anointing and its power. And God, I, I, I feel your presence in this house. And I feel like you want to do something tonight. And, and Lord, I ask that we would have the ears to hear and the hearts to receive what your word has to tell us. And we love you and we praise you and we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Ava's with me tonight. She can be my amen corner for the rest of her life. I tell people sometimes that she's going to be the first Pentecostal nun to ever exist. And I won't have to worry about boys because she's going to be so in love with Jesus. 
That's wishful thinking, ain't it, Pastor? <laughs> but we see here in this portion of Scripture tonight, this is called the Mount of Transfiguration, where three disciples, three followers of Christ, see His glory. They see Him in His glorified body, in His holy raiment, His holy garments. They see Him in a manner that the others never saw. And that, that, that really the church never saw until He would come back. He promised He would come back again. And, and they, they, they didn't get to witness this, but these three men get to witness and write about it and, and tell the story about the Mount of Transfiguration when they saw the glory of God through Jesus and upon Jesus and in Jesus. And it was a miraculous experience. And, and I'm sure you've heard this preached before in many other ways. And many other people have preached this and, 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 uh, and, and revealed this to you in many ways. And I'm just going to preach it the way God revealed it to me. But I, I could speak tonight about going to a higher place. And I've preached about that before in this passage of Scripture. That we need to go to a higher place, a higher level, a deeper place in God. And He's wanting to take us there. And, and, and he, he takes, we see that He takes these disciples up the mountain. And, and I, could, I could preach about that. And we're going to tie some of that in. But if, if I could for a moment, this is the title of my message tonight is On the Other Side... Part 2, why we need the glory. Why we need the glory. Uh, a few weeks ago we preached on the other side out of Judges chapter 15 where, uh, where, where Samson was bound up by his own people and delivered to the Philistines and the Spirit of the Lord moved upon him and those, those, those ropes became as linen and caught fire and burned off of him and he took the jawbone of a donkey and he slew a thousand Philistines and, and there was revival on the other side uh, of that battle and, and this we're, we're going to kind of tie that in end to this, this portion of scripture tonight, may, even though you may not see it, uh, but I want to tie that in tonight because there is something powerful that happens when God's people begin to see and experience His glory and His power and His presence. And we're in a time and we're in a season in the church world and in the American church where we need the glory of God. We need to be awakened in a manner that we've never been awakened before We need to realize what time we're in. And I know many in this house do. But there's still more for us. There's still the, God is still longing and desiring to move. Revival, I believe, can still happen. But there's some things that we must do to put ourselves in alignment to see the glory and the manifestation of God and His power. Can you say amen? So just to give you a quick backstory. There, there, there's a, again, there's a lot of places I could go to tonight, but just a quick backstory. We get a, a, at the beginning of this chapter, and we find that Jesus sends out uh, his disciples. He anoints them, and he says, Listen, you go and you preach the kingdom of God. You lay hands on the sick. You, you travel from town to town, and, and they do this, and, and they, they see many things happen. 
And they see a a stirring uh, begin to take place in the enemy's camp because as these men are going out and preaching the kingdom of God and Jesus has commissioned them and he himself and his disciples now are starting to see miracles, signs and wonders. Herod is starting to get nervous because he thinks, well, maybe this is John the Baptist come back uh, to haunt me or or, I I don't really understand what's going on, but I don't like uh, what Jesus and his followers are doing and I promise you I'm going to tie all this in for you and there was a stirring that took place uh, uh, during during this time when the people of God became evangelistic if you will I was telling pastor last night and I, I told Gloria and my wife the other night that that there had been some some things that have come up in the spiritual realm and my personal walk with the Lord there has been a battle in the last week to two weeks that I, I haven't experienced in a long time. The enemy is really fighting what God wants to do in this house. And and I was sitting and I was pondering on this and the Lord began to speak to me and he said, Jade, you, you know why the enemy is fighting PTC and fighting good evangelistic churches across the, this nation is because the devil hates an evangelistic church. You can read in the book of Acts chapter 2, his spirit was poured out. The church was born that day uh, through his out, the outpouring of his spirit. But in Acts chapter 3, just a few days later, they faced uh, adversity. They faced uh, imprisonment. They, they faced threatenings by the the Sanhedrin and the leaders, the religious leaders of their day because the enemy can't stand an evangelistic church. So Herod is stirred up. He's kind of distraught that these men are going and they're preaching the kingdom of God, laying hands on the sick and seeing them recover. But we also see in this chapter that when they come back to Jesus and they give him the report, they say, listen, over the last few days we've seen miraculous things. We've seen God do miracles. They, he said that the Bible tells us that, that he led them into the desert to be alone with them but the crowds followed him and as the crowds followed him he said okay he, he had compassion on them. He taught them and we find that this is where he feeds the 5,000 and he increases the five loaves and the fish and the Lord began to speak to me and I, 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 I promise you I'm going somewhere but I never realized this before. Maybe pastors realized this before and I'm just going to give you a real nugget just a little detour real quick but God spoke to me and he said listen now as the the bread is multiplied so will the fish be multiplied and I said God what does that mean he said as my word continues to be preached from the PTC's platform as the truth begins to be preached so will the fish increase I said well okay because he is the bread of life and he is the word made flesh he is something that that we hold on to. He is life. He is is life everlasting and abundant. But you see, he told the disciples, he told Peter and them, he said, listen, you leave the fishing nets because I'm going to make you fishers of men. So as the word is continued to be preached from this house, I believe that the fish are going to increase, that the souls will increase, that your sons and daughters will be at these altars getting deliverance. I believe that tonight. Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise? <coughs> Excuse me. But I, I, I know that's a little, little side thought, but we see he feeds the 5,000. And, and it's a great and marvelous thing that, that he has done. But we go on. 
And we find that Jesus comes to a portion of Scripture that is so powerful. And he says in, in, in verse 23 that if any man wants to come after me, you need to deny yourself, uh, take up your cross daily, and follow me. We, we've heard that Scripture before. But what I, I'm trying to tell you is, and I'm trying to draw a parallel, if you will. So the last few weeks, uh, we, we've seen God move. We've seen bodies healed. We've seen souls saved. We've seen young people filled with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We've seen our church become... I've talked to some of you have been given opportunities to witness in a manner that you never have before. Even myself this week had an opportunity to pray for someone and see God move on their behalf. And it was just awesome to see and to witness. And the disciples saw these things... And, the, and let me tell you, if, if the disciples saw and we have seen what God has been doing in the last few weeks. But I want you to know, just like Herod, the enemy has seen what this church and what churches in this community and what churches across this nation are doing. And he's saying, now I can't just stand by and let this happen. And I, I just can't stand by and let this happen. But listen, I want you to know that the word continues to be preached from this platform by our pastor and platform across this city and across this nation and souls are still coming in. We've seen it. We've heard of it. And I will tell you that it's going to continue to happen in even greater ways. I believe that. I believe that that's going to continue to happen. But Jesus tells his disciples okay, you, you, you've seen the, the sick healed. You, you, you've preached the kingdom of God. You've seen the 5,000 fed. You've seen the enemy get stirred up. He said, but now now I want to take you, and this is where I'm going to reference real quickly. I'm going to take you to a higher level. I'm going to take you to a place in which you've never been. So you need to deny yourself if you want to go. If you want to see the glory. If you want to experience revival, you have to deny your flesh. Deny what you feel. Deny what you think. Grab hold of Jesus and go with him and come after me is what he said. And I believe in this church tonight. I believe that many of you in this house under the sound of my voice, you have taken that call. You've been denying yourself. You've been picking up your cross and you've been pursuing Jesus. How can I tell? The atmosphere's different. Things have been changing in, in my life and in your life. I can tell in these young people, things have been changing. Their appetite for the things of the world is fading and their appetite for the supernatural is increasing. So I can can tell that there are people pursuing, pursuing Jesus, pursuing the things of God, pursuing a deeper walk with Him, uh, pursuing a, a place they've never been uh, with Him before. They're, they're, they're longing for more. And, and Jesus tells the disciples, uh, He tells three of the disciples in, in Luke chapter 9 and verse 28, He says, uh, and it came to pass uh, about eight days after these sayings, and He took Peter and James and John and he went 
up into the mountain to pray. What Christ is asking the church in the last few weeks is, I need you to start climbing. I need you to start pressing in. I need you to start going and digging deeper. You need to start walking through mountains and valleys. You need to start pursuing me no matter what it will cost you. That that word there went up in the Greek is one word. It means to climb. But its root words means to walk through. There have been people in this house. You've been climbing. You've been digging. You've been walking through hell it seems. The flames are hot. The enemy's come after you. He's come after your family. He's come after your ministry. He's come after the call on your life. Young people, I believe in the last few weeks the enemy has tried to implant in your mind and tell you you're not called to do that. You can't do that. You can't speak that way. You can't lead that way. You can't pray that way. You can't worship that way. But I want you to know and I want to commend you because I see it tonight that you've kept climbing. You've kept worshiping. You've kept praying. You've kept seeking after the things of God. And we see as a church body that we're starting to ascend and we're starting to go to a place in God that we've never been before. And it's powerful and it's awesome to see. But I want you to know that the Bible also tells us in Galatians chapter 6 and 9 that it says, Let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap if you faint not. You say, how does that tie in? How does that tie in to going to a place in God that we've never been? How, How does that tie in? Church, we will reap. We will see. We will witness the glory of God. But the enemy would love to use every tactic in his arsenal. And our flesh would love to buffet us to get us to become weary. God's done all these things. I've just given you a quick highlight reel. God's been doing all these things. His spirit has been moving. But I, I, I could probably speak for uh, some in this house, and, and I know I can speak for myself. There have been moments where, Brother Chris, I have been tired. I have, I have felt weariness trying to come upon my life, uh, not just physically, but spiritually. Because climbing's not easy. Climbing and pursuing Jesus isn't easy. It's worth it, but it's not easy. So he took these disciples, Peter, James, and John, which are a representation of the church. Why? Because in Acts, they would become the leaders of the church. So I just want to draw that quick parallel real quick. They represent the church, a remnant of the church. And God's saying, listen, I need you to come with me. I'm taking you to a new place. And they had to climb. Because they were going up a mountain, they had to climb. They had to walk through some things. They, they were probably weary when they got to the top. They, they were tired. And, and the the Bible tells us through the writer Paul, God speaks to us through his spirit and he says, don't be weary in your well-doing. Let me put it in perspective with my text tonight. Don't be weary after the climbing, after the walking through the valleys, after facing the enemy. Don't grow weary in well-doing for you shall reap if you faint not. I promise I'm getting somewhere. Luke chapter 9 and verse 32, Jesus says this. Or, 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 well, the writer tells us this. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. 
They were heavy with sleep after all the climbing, after all the pushing, after all the praying, after all the fasting. After all, all the repetition, uh, God, I'm, go- I'm coming before you. I'm coming before you. I need you to move. Uh, we need you to move in our church. We need you to move in Connorsville. We need you to move on behalf of our children, upon, upon our sons and daughters. We need you to move. And, and they get up to that mountain. They get up to that place. Uh, and the Bible says that they were heavy with sleep. That word there in the Greek means they were weighed down with sleep. I believe in our lives sometimes that weariness after the battle, after the fight, after the climb is a greater adversary than the obstacle or the battle itself. I believe, and I believe I'm going to show you scripturally, there are many of you that know how to get through a battle. And you know how to praise and to worship and to, to get a hold of God and to get you through a battle. But not many of us, especially in this younger generation, know how to deal with weariness. After the battle's over and it's like, oh, God, I've made it through that. But I just feel like I'm tapped out. There's nothing, there's no reserves in the tank. There's been no pit stop. I've held on to your word and I'm praying, but I, I don't feel anything. I believe that weariness can be a greater adversary than the obstacle or the mountain or the battle itself. We can come, we can come to the place where Jesus has brought us. And Jesus has taken and brought this church to a place that I've never been before. An expectancy level that I've never seen in the house of God before. And that's been happening in the last few months. But we've come too far to let weariness destroy and prevent us from receiving the glory of God in our house, in our church, in our schools. We have come too far. You young people have climbed so much. You have pressed in so long. You have come too far to look back down the mountain and say, God, I've made it, but I just can't go on another day. No, there's a glory to see. There's a revival to possess. There's a Jesus to get close to. There's a healer to get to know. There's a calling that he wants to place on your life. We've come too far. We need the glory. We need the glory of God. And we see that they get up there on their way down. They're heavy with sleep. And it would be so easy for many of us Say, God, I've made it through. I just need some rest. Let me tell you, if God is big enough to save your soul and to keep you and to keep you through the valley and to keep you on the mountain and to keep you everywhere in between, let me tell you, He is big enough and He is strong enough to give you rest. Don't be weary in well-doing. 
You see, the Bible tells us, and, and we talked about it a little bit last week. Uh, we find the story of Samson in Judges chapter 15. The battles were never his problem. Samson was equipped by the Spirit of God to handle every obstacle that God gave him. You can read it over and over again in his story in the book of Judges. And the Spirit came upon him. 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 The battle was never Samson's problem. The battle was after. The the problem was after the battle. The Bible tells us in that chapter that we read a few weeks ago that after the battle, he never never complained when they bound him up. He just said, don't kill me. That's all I ask is you don't kill me. He he never complained about them binding him up. He never said, God, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm facing a thousand Philistines. The Bible never records that he screamed out in fear as they shouted against him because the battle wasn't the problem. The battle wasn't the issue. But after the battle was over is when he cried out. And he said, God, I'm so thirsty. God, I'm so weary from the battle. I need you to touch me. I need you to revive me. I need you to give me a drink of something. We see that Samson's problem was never the battle. It was always the weariness. You can follow that even until his fall. Even until his fall. He could slay uh, any enemy. He could rip the doors off the city, the gates off the city. He could do the impossible like slay a thousand men. He could kill and destroy a lion with his his bare hands. The battle wasn't the problem but the problem was is when he was after the battle and he went home to Delilah and he would lay his head in her lap because he was weary. He gave up his anointing because he was weary. You say, how, 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 how do you know that, Pastor Judges 16 and 16? It says, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. What, what that means there, what that, that portion of Scripture means is that she pressed and oppressed and distressed him so much that his very soul was vexed. Or what that word in the Hebrew means is that he was discouraged. He was grieved. He was cut down. He was dwindling in the spirit. And he said he dwindled so much even unto death. What that word death means is destruction. You see, he became so weary. He became so tired with, with dealing with Delilah that he gave up his anointing. He gave up his covenant. He said, I'm so tired of this. I'm so weary of this you find in the next two verses of that chapter that he gives her the secret he says if you cut my hair if you cut my hair it'll all be over I'll be just like any other man but we read in Judges chapter 16 and verse 19 that she made him fall asleep upon her knees what that word means is she made him stall she made him she held up the anointing of God on his life she got him to go to sleep because he was so weary he was so tired of dealing with her and then she called for the men to cut off his hair and when he woke up it was too late the awakening the realization of what had happened was too late church we cannot afford to miss what God is doing in this season it is not worth losing your anointing young people it is not worth walking away from the call of God on your life saints I want you to know 
know tonight that the enemy would love to weigh you down with weariness. He would love to put you in the lap of lust. He would love to put you in the lap of luxury. He would love to send you on a vacation uh, far, far away in your mind. Why? Because you're no threat to him there. And she put him to sleep. And she called us. She calls the stalemate in his life. And when he woke up, he realized the Spirit of God had departed from me. I want you to know, church, we need the glory. We need the anointing. We need the power. We can't fall asleep on what God's doing. We can't afford to lay our, our hands back and say, oh, I'm so tired. I, want, I believe I'm in the midst of some people that'll say, I've, I've climbed this mountain. I'm going to see what God's going to do. I'm going to behold what he's going to do. He's going to give me rest. I trust him. I believe in him. But I must have the glory. I must have the glory. Come too far not to receive the glory. You see, the Bible tells us, Jesus tells us, In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, Jesus is in the garden of Gethsemane and he tells them, Watch and pray that ye enter not into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. He's he's battling. He's going through the biggest battle of his life. And he said, Watch and pray. And we know the story. He comes back and he finds them sleeping again and again. But he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. What is the temptation facing? Uh, PTC ministries uh, in the church of America that have been seeking, the remnant churches of America that have been seeking a a move of God. What is the temptation? The temptation is to say, okay, God, I've overcome one adversary. I've overcome one obstacle. I just need to rest for a while. I just just need to take some time off. Uh, I just need to do this and I just need to do that. Oh, I'm telling you church, we're so close. We're so very close to seeing the glory. We're so very close to Jesus revealing himself to us in a way that we've never seen. You see the disciples, uh, Peter, James and John they never saw him in that manner before. But when they saw him they said they held it close. They kept it close to them. It was powerful to see Jesus in his glory. I want you to know church uh, we've come too far. We've come too far to turn around now Uh, watch and pray watch and pray you're tired watch and pray you got sports going on watch and pray you got so much homework you better watch and pray I I want you to know you better grab your Bible you better get in your prayer closet because this generation this group of young people over here and and the generation that they represent they need your prayers now more than ever they need you to fight for them now more than ever listen this mountain is not a plateau that we reach and we say, oh, well, we made it. Listen, Jesus' ministry didn't end up on the mountain. It didn't end up there. He came down because there was assignment to do, because there was a, there was a world, there was a religious church, and there was a world that couldn't contain a young boy that was possessed by demons. As you read through this chapter, his daddy couldn't help him. The disciples couldn't help him. Nobody could help him. But listen, Jesus could help him because Jesus came down. This, this mountain... This obstacle that we've overcome. I want you to know there's greater things. There's greater things on the other side of this mountain. If you'll just.
just walk down after being alone with Jesus. He'll work it out. He'll take care of it because there's a, a, a devil. There is an adversary that would love to steal and to kill and destroy this generation that's grabbing hold of our sons and daughters. But I want you to know that there's still a Savior that can say, oh, faithless generation, I'll take care of this. I've been prepared for this. I'm ready for this. But it comes when we climb and when we stay away, awake and we stay alert. And God, we have an encounter with God that changes and transforms our life. Those things begin to happen. He says the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You see, our spirits, your soul, longs for revival and restoration. But your flesh is prone to fatigue and weariness. Church, now is not the time to grow weary in well-doing. But I believe we're entering into the season where we're going to reap. Because we have fainted not. You may not believe that today. But I believe that's, in the, that's the time that we're in. We find that it pays spiritually to be alert, to, to be sensitive, to be aware at all times. He said, watch and pray. The Bible tells us in Judges chapter 6 and 7 a story of a man named Gideon who, who, who assembled an army to take down the Midianite raiders uh, that were plaguing and, and coming against his people and against his nation. And the Bible tells us that he had 32,000 men. And God said, you have too many. I don't want the people to think that they did this. Uh, uh, anyone that's a Afraid, you go and ask anyone that's afraid can go home, okay? He, well, he loses uh, uh, pretty much everybody. And he, got, he has 10,000 left. Uh, and God said, you still got too many. I don't want anybody to think uh, that, 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 that they've done this on their own power. I want people to know that it was God. And we find that, that they, they, they begin to declare some things to them. And, and God says, now I'm going to take them down to a river. And I want you to pay attention to those that get on both knees uh, and they bend over over and they lap like a dog in the water to get a drink and I want you to pay attention to those that, that won't get down on their knees but they'll look and they'll be vigilant and they'll dip down into the water why? why God wanted 300 men that were aware of the situation that they were in God wanted 300 men that said listen we're in war I, 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 can't, I can't take my eyes off the prize for one minute I'm, I'm going to miss what God's going to do I, I, I have to stay aware the Bible tells tells us in Acts chapter 20 of a boy named Eutychus uh, that he was sitting in the windowsill. He was sitting in a place of distraction. Even though the, the house was full of light, uh, he fell asleep because he, was, he put himself uh, in a place of temptation. He put himself in a place of distraction. And God said, listen, I, I, we're in a time. I, I've got to pull you out of the window. You, you, he said, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation. Whatever it is, young person, if you can't put your phone down, you give it to your mom and dad and say, I've got to go pray. I've got to get rid of this thing. You say, oh, well, now, now, pastor, you, that, that's a little steep. Uh, listen, I, I, I want you to know this. I want you to hear this from my heart. Uh, if I have to give up uh, this phone to experience revival and to see your sons and daughters saved, I will tell you, I'll gladly put it away. I'll gladly get rid of it. Whatever it is, young people, watch and pray that you enter not into temptation because the Spirit longs and is willing for something to happen but your flesh is prone to fatigue and weariness again Eutychus 
even in the house of God, even as the word was being preached, he became weary. He became weary. Don't be weary in well-doing. The Bible tells us, the Bible tells us, in this portion of Scripture, that these men... These three men, Peter, James, and John, were heavy. They were weighed down with sleep. And there may be some of you in this house tonight that say, I, I can feel the weariness. I feel like I've prayed for weeks and weeks and I felt nothing. It was so good, but now I feel nothing. I feel weariness coming in. And there's some of you that say, listen, I, I'm not even going to lie to you, Pastor. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to lie to God. But I've been in full sleep mode in my spiritual life. It's just been, life's been so busy. Life's been so hectic. I want you to know that God will bring His glory. And God will bring revival when His church is awakened. I believe there's been a stirring. And I want to read to you verse 32 one more time. Not only were they heavy with sleep, it says in the latter half of that verse, and they were awake. And they saw His glory. And the two men that stood with Him they were awake and they saw his glory. Even after the climb, even through the mountains and the battles and the obstacles, these disciples, these disciples began to stir. Even in the weariness, even in the fatigue, they began to stir. You know what it means to stir when it comes to being asleep? Uh, my wife knows what it means to stir. I'll deal with this later. I'm going to tell on her a little bit. She does not wake up easy. Uh, she is not a pleasant person to wake up. Uh, I will tell you that. Uh, I'll be honest with you. I'll be transparent with you. She's not easy to wake up. Uh, you got to stir her a little bit. You know, I hear my alarm. And I'm like, oh, got to go. Got to get up. Uh, she's like, how do you do that? I, I just can't do that. I can't seem to do that. But I want you to know that even though you may feel a little weary, you may feel a little tired, I believe because God has begun to do this in me in the last few days uh, and praying and studying for this message there's been a stirring take place in my heart he's saying listen you're not fully awake yet that's what that word means if you could throw up that verse landing for me in the NASB I want you to understand what the word awake, awake means in the Hebrew the NASB covers this so well it says now Peter and his companions had been overcome with sleep but when they were fully awake when they were fully awake they saw his glory. When they were fully awake, this word means fully or thoroughly awake. You say, what does that have to do with anything? I thought to be awake was to be awake. Not true. Again, my wife is the proof. Not true. There's a difference between a stirring and being fully awake. Many of you will know what I'm talking about. And honey, I'm sorry. You know, you just... 
when you're the wife of the preacher, it happens, okay? So I will give you an example. I go over to my wife. Just about every morning, I give her a kiss on the cheek. And I say, I love you. She says, I love you back. But if I ask her about it later on that morning, she's like, what are you talking about? Because she was stirred, but not awakened. She was not fully awake. I will tell you, there have been times I have come over to her side of the bed. And I said, now, honey, I want you to know, after work, I've got to do this, and I've got to do that, and we've talked about this. And she'll call me. I always call her when I get off work. And she'll say, where are you? Well, I'm going here. Well, you never told me about that. You, you never said anything about that. Listen, and I'm not doing it just to pick on her. I want you to realize, spiritually, there's a difference in being stirred and being fully awake. You see, if my wife was fully awake in that moment, she would know what's going on. She would be aware of what's happening and what I'm doing that day. She would be aware of the fact that I love her in the mornings and she would be aware of these things, okay? But the same thing is spiritually. God began to speak to me. and I just really want to, to read this to you. I, I really want to... Um, I really want to give God uh, what, what is due him, what, what he's asked of me. He said, listen, Brother J.D., he was speaking to me yesterday, and I began to write this down really quickly. He said, there are those in my church, uh, they are stirred, and they will, they, they will stir enough to acknowledge my presence. He said, but they will not fully awaken enough to experience my glory. He said, they, they'll stir enough to say, oh, well, I felt the presence of God. He said, but they'll go right back to their weariness. They'll go right back to their slumber. They'll go right back to the things that they promised God on Sunday that they would leave behind. He said, but there is a church that will become fully and thoroughly awakened. He said, they're the ones. They're the ones that will see my glory. They're the ones that will see revival. They're the ones that will not only taste, but they will see that God is good. They're the ones that will experience a last day outpouring. There's a difference, church, in being stirred. And I'm not saying it's wrong to be stirred. But I want to speak to you young people tonight. Being stirred is not enough. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Wake up. Watch and pray. Come alive in the name of Jesus. Why? Because there's a glory to be had. There's a generation that needs to be saved. There's a kingdom that needs preached. There's healings that need to take place. There's deliverance that God wants to happen. But I want you to know, I want you to know tonight uh, that there is an awakening. There is a thorough, a full uh, awakening happening to the church. Uh, and we're not going to only acknowledge his presence, uh, but we're going to see his glory. We're going to see his glory. We're going to see his glory. It says that they, they awake. They, they were fully awake and they saw his glory. I'm not talking about a half wake. I'm not talking about a, uh, yeah. No. I'm talking about a full readiness and alertness. I'm talking about full attention here from the army of the living God. I'm saying, God. Wants to reveal himself in a way that he's never revealed himself before. Because time's closing up and he wants a glorious bride. Right? But how can the bride be glorious without his glory? 
How can the bride be glorious without his glory? It takes not only when you climb. It takes a church not only that climbs and digs in and walks through the valleys. But it's a church that says, okay, I'm through it. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? What do you have for me? What do you have for me? It's a new level. I know they say new level, new devils. Oh, but I say new levels. There, there, there may be greater devils. But God's going to become greater in my life as I go through those things. Listen, I don't want this church to grow weary and well-doing because there's a reaping. There's a harvest. There's a manifestation. There's a glory. There's a presence. There's a power that's coming. But we have to be awakened. We have to be fully awakened. In this country, we have the first great awakening that we learn about. We have the second great awakening that we learned about. What is that? That is when the church realized God that you want to do something in our lives we can't do things the same way we always done them I can't run after the same things that I always ran after I can't balance and be busy in life like I always was God I gotta be in your house I gotta be in your presence I gotta see your glory why was it called the first great awakening because when those churches and those men and women of God were fully and thoroughly awakened by the spirit of God they saw something they experienced something that changed and transformed their life. We need His glory. But to see His glory, we must become awakened. We must awaken to glory. I believe God will give you rest. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 25 of 10 versions. Five foolish, five wise. One took took oil, the other one took none. And when the bridegroom didn't show up when they thought he would, it says they all slept. I want to encourage you tonight. You say, I'm going to be honest, I've, I've been sleeping. They all slept. But remember there was five wise and there was five foolish. Five let the anointing be taken out of their lives like Samson did. But five said, we're going to hold on to it. I'm not going to miss what God's going to do. And when the bridegroom came, the five wives got the groom, got the prize, got the glory. Why five foolish said, where's my anointing? But I believe in this house. I'm not with foolish people. I'm not with foolish people. They'll come to the music tonight. I'm not with foolish people. Can you play uh, I've Got a Fire again? I, I know we normally play a slow song, but I want to play a fast song. Go ahead. Yeah. I would have prayed and I believe with all of my heart he would have made a difference. Yeah. My mother didn't die of cancer. The minister told me that my mother was, had a spirit of weariness on her. And she prayed for God to take her. That if I could have known the vaccine, yeah. the devil 
Yeah. Yes, watch him pray. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's right. That's right. Come on. That's right. Come on. Come on. Come on. That's right. Yeah. I can't go back. I can't. I can't go back and tell my no. mom. I should have prayed, mom. Yeah. I only stirred a little. We've got to be fully awake. Your word is so true tonight. In the, in the adversary, he's out to kill, kill, and destroy. That's right. And we've got to have our lips full and burning bright. Amen. Give the Lord some praise tonight. Amen. You see, when we begin to stir, just like we referenced really quickly in this chapter, when we begin to stir, the enemy himself will begin to stir. But when we become fully awake to the things of God, what we see and experience and what God puts in our lives is stronger than anything the enemy can throw at us. Stronger than anything the enemy can do. Listen, do you realize that your Savior confronted death and beat it? He confronted the sins of the entire world. He died for people that were still sinners, but he still died for them. Why? Why did he do that? He confronted that thing and it backed out. Jesus can handle your weariness. Jesus can handle your weariness. The Lord began to speak to me. He said, if my church will but fully awaken, I will transfigure before them. They will see my glory, my presence, my power in a manner that I, they have never seen before. Now everyone, now not everyone can go or is willing to go and climb and be where Jesus is. But this church is willing to be fully awakened. And he said, since you are fully awakened and willing to be fully awakened, he said, you will behold my glory. You will see my power. You will see your sons and daughters prophesy. You will see your lost loved ones come in. And you say, well, I hear you say that all the time. I hear you, I hear pastors say that all the time. You know why we say that all the time? It's because we believe it day in and day out. That your son, that your daughter, that your granddaughter, whoever it may be, that drug addicted family member, that they can come to an altar and they can receive deliverance. They can receive power. But it will only come. Deliverance will only come on the other side of the mountain, on the other side of weariness. The battle's one thing, but the weariness is another.
we will come, become fully awake to what God's doing. Stand across this house. We will come, become fully awake to what God is doing. There's about to be a release. I've preached all that to get to my title tonight. I've talked about that we need the glory, but why do we need the glory? Why? Young people, why do you need to see the glory? Why do you need to see what the glory is, the manifestation of God? Why do you need to see that? I referenced it earlier, but I'm going to take a second to go a little further into it. The Bible tells us as we read on, beginning in verse 38, that when Jesus and his disciples began to come down the mountain, there came a father. And, and Pastor, I could just, just from how, how the writer depicts what the Father said, you can almost hear his anguish. My son, my son, oh Master, my son. Jesus, my son, my son. I, I brought my son to your disciples and they could do nothing for him. What does that mean? I brought my son to the religious sect of this world and they've done nothing. Religion has done my son nothing. I've tried to help him. It's done nothing. And he begins to depict what's, what's going on. And he said that a spirit comes over my son and it possesses him and it throws him into the fire and it, it mangles him and it, it bruises him and it fights him and, and it takes all kinds of work to get it to let go of him why do we need the glory you to catch this in perspective I referenced it earlier you remember how I said that Peter, James and John represent the remnant of the church because they would become the leaders the pillars of the, the early church when the true church of God begins to run after Jesus begins to deny themselves go up the mountains go through the valleys go through hell and high water to get to him and they experience his glory when they come down When they come down, it's no longer, well, you see, religion says, well, there's this man, he's named Jesus, and, you know, he was a good man, and, but people that have relationship with Jesus, the Bible says that you are the temple, that now he dwells inside of you, and, and the writer tells us in the New Testament, he says that it's Christ in you, what? Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Again, the glory is just a manifestation. It's something visible. It's something tangible that can be seen, that can be touched. And they came down. The remnant of the church came down with Jesus. 
And Jesus spoke to all those that tried. And he spoke to the religious sect of the world. And he spoke to uh, he spoke to the, the, the rich of the world. And he spoke to the, the royal society of the world. And he spoke to all these psychiatrists that say, well, you need to do this and, and you need to do that. He spoke to them and he said, you faithless generation. I'll take care of this. I'll take care of this. Why do we need the glory? Because there's a generation that needs to be set free. Why do we need the glory? Because your sons and your daughters fight daily in their heart. They fight daily in their mind. They're bombarded on every side. Through TV, through social media, at school, in college. It doesn't matter where it is. They're battled every day. And they need deliverance. They need power. They need the glory. Why do we need the glory? Because when the glory is present, that means Jesus is present and His Spirit is present. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Why do we need the glory? Why do we need the glory? Because your generation needs to be set free. Church, we may have worked hard going up the mountain, but I want to encourage you tonight. If you'll not grow weary in well-doing, and you'll watch and pray, and you'll seek His face, and you'll say, God, I'm not being drawn away by the temptation. I know my spirit's willing. I know I'm willing to press into you. If you will stay with Him, you will reap. And you will come down the other side of the mountain. Different than the other, different than when you came up. Connorsville doesn't need us to have the biggest church. Connorsville doesn't need us to have the best preaching. And I believe through our pastor we have some of the best preaching in this nation. I believe that. And that's awesome. They don't need good worship. Are you saying that God can't use those things? No, they need awakened preaching. They need awakened worship. They need awakened awakened intercession. They need a church that's awakened. That drug addict that's shooting up with fentanyl right now. He doesn't need me to come alongside. How you doing today? But no, what he needs is someone to lay hands on him. And say, guess what? There is a God that can set you free. church no longer needs to to put up and conform to everything the world says we need to we need to become awakened there's a term going around in this generation it's I guess you could consider it a political term it's a liberal term well we're woke if you don't agree with homosexuality and transgender rights and if you don't agree that America is a, a programmed racist nation, if you don't believe this and you don't believe that, then you're not woke. That's what they say. Listen, I'm not. They need Jesus just like we needed Jesus. And we still need Jesus. It's not to, to, to hate on them. But there's this term, we're woke. 
but the church needs to coin their own phrase. And it's a phrase that we've had on us before in this nation. We're not woke, we're awakened. We're not powerless, we're powerful. We're not down and out, we're up and coming. We're not weighed down from the head down. No, I serve a God that makes my burdens light and my yoke easy. We don't need a woke church. We need an awakened church. We don't need a woke generation. We need an awakened one. So I ask you tonight, do you want to see his glory? Moses, to see his glory, he had to go up the mountain. But pastor, when he came down, they had to put a shroud over his face because the glory shone on him so much that they couldn't even look upon him. What revival is, we, we, we talked about it last Saturday, revival is, is not a message preached. It's not a song sung. Revival is the glory. It's when the Spirit becomes the minister. It's when the Spirit makes intercession. It's when the Spirit worships. It's when the Spirit leads. It's the glory. Church, we've seen, we've seen miraculous things happen. The Spears family may not know it like this, but you've seen the glory. Every time you look at that baby's face, you see the glory. That baby shouldn't be here. Had the opportunity to pray with someone young in the faith. This past week, going through a trial. We saw the glory. We literally saw a situation flip from death to life. Church, don't be weary. Don't be heavy. Don't be weighed down. If you're doing too much, you say, I'm, Pastor Jade, I'm running like chicken my head. Call. Stop. The glory is not worth all the running. down don't be weighed down but be awakened be aware you're in the house of light don't fall asleep sister Sharon said we'll pray for you we'll fight for you before we come to these altars I want you to look at the neighbor on your left and say I'll war with you. Turn to your neighbor on your right and say, I'll fight for you. If you would fight for them, will you fight for their children? Will you fight to see Connorsville turned upside down? I want to fight. We need his glory. Greetings, everyone. Pastor Ron, just coming on to say thank you for joining us today. I do pray that we was a blessing to you. And I invite you to continue to follow us on Facebook, Instagram. I invite you to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, please do that. Uh, we would be appreciative of that. 
But just thank you for joining us today. I do pray that the blessings of the Lord would be upon you and yours. God bless you.